Welcome to the North Hills Church Podcast, where we take a deeper dive into unique content created just for you. My name is Ryan Ferguson, and I'm one of the pastors at North Hills Church. And this is week four of five of our special podcasts following up on our Serpents and Doves uh, sermon series, which we launched into several weeks ago, wrestling with this command of Jesus that his followers should be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And we've been wrestling with Jesus's words and then taking those into real life with different situations that are in our culture right now. Uh, So two weeks ago, we wrestled with the idea of COVID-19 and Jesus's command. Uh, Last week on the podcast, we talked about social media and politics and the command of Jesus with serpents and doves. Um, And this week and next week, we're we're tackling the um, topic of racial tension um, that's displayed in many ways throughout our culture right now. But we're going to, again, try to wrestle with those implications of what Jesus is telling us to do as his followers with what's going on in our culture. Uh, so today I'm joined by two of the other pastors here at North Hills Church, Matt Nesberg, who is our pastor of counseling. Give us a hello, Matt. Hello, Matt. <laughs> wow. classic, classic humor. And um, teaching pastor uh, Peter Hubbard is here as well. So uh, we're just going to... Hello, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Wow. Can I take over again? Is that all right? Do we have time? Just thought we'd have a little fun. If this beginning is any indicator of where this is going to go, it's going to be extremely helpful. Um, So... If we can, I know in asking some of these questions that I have on my paper that people get asked each week, each week, they're very broad. Um, and this is a hard question, but Peter, if you could, for people who may not have listened to your sermon, and if you haven't listened to this past week's sermon, we invite you to kind of pause the podcast, jump onto our website, listen to this past week's sermon. But could you walk us through, um, kind of where you anchored us in the scriptures this uh, for two weeks, really, and then what you, how you use those scriptures, walking us through an application of them this past week. So I know this is going to be hard, but give that a whirl, kind of where we were in James and then how you applied it this week. So our goal was to go back to James 3 and think about wisdom from above specifically in relation to a really sensitive cultural issue uh racism so we we summarize wisdom from above in contrast to wisdom from below and then we looked at the book white fragility by robin d'angelo and the goal was not to do a comprehensive critique of the book but to think about a book that is number one, has been for a long time, book in our country on racism, number one in sales, and defines much of our country's thinking about racism. How do we as Christians think about that with a wisdom from above perspective? That means, are we pure in the way we approach that? Are we peaceable, gentle, open to reason, that is willing to see things we haven't seen before, willing to move in areas that may not be comfortable for us, while at the same time discerning and thinking about these things from God's perspective. That was the goal. It was a lot to do in a, in a short message. So I, I think one of the areas that we spent... Um a good amount of time on an application that you kept coming back to was that 
uh, James's words, open to reason. I heard you describe it um, in both sermons actually as uh, persuadable, but not gullible. So I think it sets up the rest of our conversation. Could you just give us a, a brief word about that open to reason? Maybe just talk a little bit about how you spoke with that on Sunday, and then it's going to set up the harder questions that we'll get to next. Yeah, because the subject of racism obviously is intensely personal for, especially in our country with our history and current events and the fact that real people every day are affected by it. So to be persuadable but not gullible means there are thousands of messages coming at us every day from so many different perspectives. So if I'm gullible, then that means I'm just going to be tossed to and fro as a, you know, stick in the wind. Um, but if I'm, but if I'm not persuadable, that means if there are things I'm not aware of or can't see, I'm, I'm never going to see those. If there are perspectives from another person's experience that I really need to be more sensitive to or injustice that is before me that I'm blind to uh, or false teaching that I'm being swept away in, um, to be persuadable means I'm, I want to hear it. Tell me. Help me see what I can't see. Learn what I don't know. But at the same time, I'm not going to gulp up everything that's coming at me because there are way too many messages today. There, there's got to be discernment. So in your, in your sermon, you actually kind of set up a, a twofold way to look at what's going on right now with um, r- racial tension. And you, you, you use on one side, it's intensely personal. But then on the other side, I forget the exact words off the top of my, my head, how you described it, it, it. I don't think it was systemic, but... It's indeed collective, de- collective. Yeah. So you, you talked about the personal, like this is very personal for many people, no matter what your race is, not just black or white. It's, it's a very personal issue, especially mm-hmm. depending upon your experience of discrimination or outright racism. But on the other side, it's collective. Talk about that real briefly. And then I'm going to hit you both with a question. Yeah, I was thinking after Sunday, I didn't use this illustration, but it would be like uh, Terminex or in our church's case, somebody like Caleb Walker with Walker Pest Control coming to your house and saying to you, uh, you have a bug problem. And I would think when somebody says that, you'd want to know, okay, what do you mean by that? Like, because that could mean my house is infested with and then you'd want to know well what exactly what kind of bug are you talking about so you want to define bug and then you want a an explanation of problem like is this a termite infestation infestation which may mean you have to like burn your house down it's just everywhere or it could be you know some cockroaches in your home those are very very different now that maybe a ridiculous illustration but i I think a lot of what I see happening with Christians even, they're talking past each other because they haven't slowed down, which is what we were trying to put our arms around, being open to reason, to say, okay, what exactly do you mean? What, what is racism? Uh, 
And then secondly, if it is more than just an individual antagonism or demeaning of a, of a, a person different from us, um, what, what does that look like? Because there are philosophies in our day that would say the house needs to be burned, like the entire system of family, marriage, education, law, it's all infested with racism and it cannot be repaired. It needs to be burned to the ground and then start over. But there are other people who would say, no, 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 it's redeemable. We need to get at the root of what that racism is. So my point there is, is let's be talking about the same thing as we move toward understanding. Uh, so I'm going to highlight one thing, and then I'm going to kind of pose my question to you guys. Um, I think what's really important there is what we're admitting, as you even said that on Sunday, is that, that we have that mix in our congregation. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about two people, both who love Jesus, right. like believe what we would describe as the gospel, the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. That is their foremost lens. And then they're saying and discussing this issue using different types of language. So with that assumption that somebody heard you on Sunday, let's say it's a life group leader, they heard you in this sermon say, oh, these people are both here, and and they're sitting out there going, I know, this is my life group. We have these conversations. We're going to have these conversations going into... Um, the election in November, and they called you Monday morning, or Matt, they called you on Tuesday and said, hey, listen, Peter's sermon was great, but it was still a little bit high. It was still a little bit up here. What would you do with that life group leader? How would you coach him or her to deal with those conversations in life group? How do we help people not talk over? And this might connect some to James. It might connect to your application of listen, lament, love. But but where would either of you go with coaching this particular life group leader to help his group talk to each other? Do you want to answer that? Or do you want me to? I'll start, yeah. and you clean it up. I would I would <laughs> say the place to begin is find out what you mean and where you agree because that helps defuse the conversation great because what what's happening a lot online and in friendships and in churches is they're immediately going to the very end the political ramifications and and they're they're done like they're done talking before they've even received clarity because one wants this, one wants this, the, and then you end up seeing each other through the lens of that. How about we slow down and say, okay, what exactly do you mean by racism? Okay, I, I think we both can agree that that is wrong, right? And then, and then work out from there. Yes, there may be things you differ on and solutions you, you differ on, but then at least we're having wisdom from above kind of conversations that are not as polemic, divisive, and impugning the other person's motives. Yeah, I was just uh, not really anything new to add. Just in the book of wisdom of James, it says for us to be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to anger. And boy, on this subject, of all subjects, we need that instruction to be slow to speak and quick to listen, slow to anger, because we are often... Uh, slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to anger. 
And that just does not serve the church or the world at all. And Peter on Sunday started with that at the end of his, uh, started wrapping up at the end, talking about listening and the importance of listening and how important that is in these conversations to be willing to listen without defensiveness, which is so hard for any of us not to try to defend ourselves or to answer with, well, that means you are, so are you saying, you know, and what you're talking about, the ramifications, rather than just listening to my brother or sister and trying to hear their heart so that I can respect them and love them and, and listen. I think that's wisdom. How do you how do you listen without preparing your answer while the other person's talking? That's that that's that inner defense attorney that that all of us has. It's the same thing in marriage when your wife or husband is sharing a a concern with you. Anytime somebody's sharing a concern with us, we we have this defensive mechanism inside of us that immediately begins to to mount even if we're not saying anything, mount our defense and it takes really a, I think a work of the spirit in our hearts for us to, to, uh, to remove him from that place. Uh, I read an example, uh, when the, in the NFL, when the NFL owners and players association were negotiating their contract and they said, we couldn't get anything done until we kicked the lawyers out of the room. And once we kicked the lawyers out of the room, we could actually listen to each other and get something done. And that's a ridiculous example, but the point maintains that until we kick the lawyer out of our heart that just wants to defend us, we can't really listen. But as soon as we, as soon as we can just dethrone him, then we can look at our brother as a brother and listen to what he has to say. That's beautiful. And a practical example of that, a friend of mine who is um, a black pastor in the community this Saturday has organized, you know, some of the uh, basketball players in Greer to play against the Greer Police Department in a big basketball game. And it just, as our nation is ripped apart in so many ways, there's just something that changes when you're face-to-face playing a game, talking, listening to people that the news is telling you are supposed to be your enemies. And to be able to to change that narrative. And as believers, we need to be at the, the cutting edge of that. And if we can't model that, even in our closest relationships, it's going to be really hard to be peacemakers uh, in the culture. So since we're talking about um, two believers who... Di- who may not be clear on language with each other, are talking over each other. Um, sometimes yes or no questions aren't helpful, but I, I'm wondering, do you, either of you think it's too remedial or elementary to tell that life group leader that a great way for them to even stop and clarify what they mean is beginning with who they are, like what they actually believe, reminding each other, hey, th- this person is in Jesus? Like, I, is that... Is that too uh, cheesy almost is a word that's in my head of if you're coaching this life group leader, yeah, stop and make them make them stop and go. The very first thing is you, you love Jesus too. Yeah, I think exactly what you're saying is the, the New Testament model we see because the Jew-Gentile conflict is probably, in my mind, the closest parallel to the black-white tension because you actually even have some parallels like Romans actually 
conquered and enslaved you know, many of the Jews, and many of the Jews in Rome had recently been expelled from the city and then allowed back in. So you have huge ethnic or racial tensions in Rome, and Paul's method was to do just that. Let's start with who we are more than our Roman citizenship. I watch my language. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, we'll beep it out later. <laughs> d- deeper than, you know, my Jewish identity or my Roman identity is my Jesus identity. And mm. if we can begin there, that doesn't mean our mm. differences are automatically gone. You know, read Romans 14 to be the beginning of 15. The differences are very real. But, but exactly what you said, we're starting on in our place of commonality and then listening to one another as we describe the differences and, and seeking to work together. Are there other kind of um, biblical goals or imperatives for brothers and sisters that would encourage coming together um, in this idea? Like I'm thinking um, with everything that is in you, you know, if it's if it's within you, maintain peace with all people. Like, can you guys think of other like encouragements? I keep kind of putting it back on. We're coaching this life group leader. Are there other moments in Scripture where where hey, this could come first? Like, have people think this, then get into this really hard conversation where they do disagree. They disagree on the solution, but here are other some nuggets that that God would say this is very valuable to begin with. Anything that pops in your head. Romans 12 um, has some great instructions that flow out of the command to love one another. And you could start in Romans 12. Uh, one of them that comes comes to mind that I've thought of with this issue is that command to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And so if I look at an African-American brother who is weeping because of experience that he's had, maybe with police or with uh, racial discrimination or prejudice, and I'm quick to jump to defense mode, um, a, a helpful thing for me is to say, actually, let me start by weeping with those who weep. Mm. And if he's weeping, what would it look like if I wept with him rather than jumping to, let me tell you the facts of why you shouldn't be feeling that way. Um, that there's a, and then there's some other ones that are in there in Romans 12 that might, that might be helpful too. That, that it might turn into, I'm going to weep with you, and then I'd love to know why you are, yeah. rather than telling you why you shouldn't. Yeah. So good. So good. Because that, you know, I, that's the battle I have, is learning to listen well. And when we, when we gather with our brothers and sisters who come from a totally different perspective, and we do this on a regular basis, and we just say, how can I pray for you i mean Mm. we are we're and and the point is not like matt said to fix change alter preach at this person but to really listen and then to pray and when we pray together we're crying out to our father in heaven who is our father Mm. we are his children it's just removing all those natural divisions that come between brothers and sisters. So, so let me uh, kind of whiplash 
transition us here with a statement and then a, a question from somebody in my our church that will hopefully get us into a, another area to deal with. Um, I'm going to say something that we were talking about before we started recording. Um, it, it is, I don't know what the exact word is, odd, weird, dangerous, ironic, that it's actually three white conservative pastors talking about racial tension on a podcast. And so I feel like if we just go ahead and go, that's true. Mm-hmm. Like we're just going to say that uh, up front. Um, and then kind of uh, with that being the, uh, you know, the confession, if you will, um, we've had someone kind of ask the question about the reality, the makeup of our church itself being predominantly white, not exclusively, but predominantly. Our elder board is all made up of people who are white. Um, and so somebody just, I'm going to ask this question and then get your feedback on, you know, should we react to that reality of our actual makeup? Should we be reacting to that? So uh, one of our members wrote this, um, what if uh, North Hills Church I think by that she primarily means the elders had focus groups made up of diverse members of the congregation and also the community that met with the elders to get to know each other better and understand issues from different perspectives. It seems to me that would be a very organic way of learning about how the issue of race is affecting us in our own backyard. Hope this helps in some small way. Um, There was more to that comment, but that's the primary question. It was an idea recognizing, Hey, we're, we're, we're white. Should we react to that reality? Um, so let's start there. Like we know our reality. Should we react to it? Should it's, we consider it? A couple of years ago when we did do that, like we had these focus groups and brainstorming with a variety of, uh, ethnicity people in our church, variety of ethnicities and races. Um, it was interesting because, first of all, it bothers me greatly that we don't have more diversity. And we have earnestly cried out for that. And at times we have had more or less in leadership. Um, but, but it was interesting how when we asked our people in these brainstorming times, we got a variety of answers. Like, yes, they would love that. Others said but please don't make that like like us your pet project kind of thing by putting someone in just as a token. So we respect that, but that is one of our goals of our elder team that's exploring these issues is to say, what can we do to expand the diversity? Because we do believe that a church should reflect its community. And if, it, and if a church is in Iowa and it's white community or another place that's, that has no diversity in the community, then it should reflect that community and shouldn't feel guilty about that. But our, our community is, is fairly diverse. It's mostly white, but it's fairly diverse. And we want to continue to grow in diversity with our community as it grows in diversity. And we want to remove, and this is probably the biggest challenge, what are the cultural things that we might be blind to in our church that 
might be stumbling blocks to those who would like to come. Um, I'm not talking about biblical truth that we're altering, but I'm talking about cultural stumbling blocks. Would you say it different from that? Or No. Should we react to it? <clears throat> I, I loved the question. Um, I, I thought it was kind and insightful and generous in its tone. Um, I thought this person Definitely. has obviously thought about this and is trying to offer not uh, criticism from a distance, but helpful insight. I loved it. Uh, Especially with her background being Cuban. Yeah. I think as, as a helpful um, yep. piece of information. And so I, I love the, uh, the suggestion there um, for our leaders to interact with people. And I think that's one of the, the things that can be the most helpful. And Peter's doing it. I'm doing it, and others are as well, meeting with other um, leaders who have a different ethnic perspective than we do, um, especially since we're talking about black-white issues, um, getting together with African-American brothers that can challenge us and say, hey, you know, this, like you said, stumbling cultural stumbling blocks, uh, we, we can't see our own cultural stumbling blocks often. It, they are bl called blind spots because we can't see them you know so um that's that's what they are and and so somebody else can see them especially a different ethnicity and that can be super helpful i i, I too uh, would love to see us do more and more of that and even broaden that among more elders to, to to be able to have those those interactions so here we answered kind of the the leadership question that was raised that's the immediate context of that of of Damaris's question, I'm wondering: Can we broaden it now? And 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 it might be leadership things. It might be for our people. But how how do we go about change? And and to be frank, we're not making commitments here. I, I'm just I'm curious when you guys hear this question. I know Peter, you've thought about this over the years. Like, how do we go about bridging this gap in a healthy way, in a non-tokenism way, in a, a uh, genuine, you know, from James, a sincere, without an act way. A as you guys consider it, what do you think? I think there are things, and and we have a long way to go, there are little things we can do that mean so much. Like, I, I, I'm just thinking a few small examples, like times where we've had a member of our praise team sing a verse in Spanish, for example, and those from uh, the Hispanic community, just, it's just a message. We value you. We want you here. Um, when in our culture, if you watch the news, you can begin to feel like a black person could feel like a white church doesn't really want them. Or a Hispanic person can feel like, you know, they're, they're unwanted. And so by doing things that communicate, know in Christ, we are all together. And it might be translation related. It might be even, I mean, I could roll off a bunch of different examples, styles of music, um, pictures we use, just other things that send a message that we are not just caught up in our own cultural bubble, which 
we have a long way to go there. Hmm. Matt, what would you add? I think <clears throat> that all that was great. I, I know none of us want to do um, tokenism. Tokenism has been mentioned. None of us want to do gimmicks like, oh, let's just try this or oh, this is a little gimmick. We try to try to attract different kinds of people. None of us want that. Um, we do want us to at our heart and our core be about what Jesus is about. And um, certainly um, we will be worshiping with brothers and sisters of all stripe for eternity. Um, one, as I've interacted with my African-American brothers, one of the things that is important is racial diversity at the leadership level, which I know we've already touched on. But I've had brothers say to me, when my grandkids look at leadership, they see no one that looks like them. And that's really important to me and re really important to them. And so you can't manufacture that. Um, you can be intentional and really seek the Lord and pray for it. Um, we, as Peter said, at different times have had racial diversity in our elder board. We don't right now. So I, I would love for us to continue to pray for that and seek the Lord. I think that is one thing that's, it's not tokenism. It's not, um, um, it's not gimmicks. It's valuing the other, hmm. um, and, and valuing a different perspective. And so I, that, that's one thing. And, and there's a host of others, as Peter said, uh, things that, that trying to think at the core level of who we are, I think as people challenging, challenging our culture that we swim in, uh, the, the majority of our church swims in uh, ethnically, uh, to challenge some of those assumptions and presuppositions as we see them and are able to say, hey, this might be a blind spot for us and being open and honest about that. Maybe get people thinking ways that we are unnecessarily uh, making people of other ethnicities feel uncomfortable. I, I don't mean gospel things. I mean right. cultural things. Um, it, it unnecessarily making making it difficult. And that would just take some some uh, work and some prayer and asking other people and, and to try to seek those out. So I'll kind of wrap up this moment if I can and give um, just a wrap up and then maybe one additional thought. I, both of you have mentioned prayer. Um, and I, I feel like you know, we, we, in our new members class connections, we describe prayer as the lifeblood of the church. That phrase has been at North Hills for 20 some years. It's the lifeblood. It's what flows through us to bring us life. Um, and so we're praying for that. And I, I think, you know, of the couple of hundred people that are going to listen to this podcast, we invite you into that. If that burdens your heart, pray with us uh, for all those things that we just discussed. I, I would say, secondly, how do we bridge the gap? I think we need more questions like this mm. from people who aren't like us that are in mm. our church going, hey, like it, with, uh, even if it's a stronger question, but the same loving tone, like help us see what we don't see. This is great information that you sent or that you put on Facebook. So that'd be the second thing. And then the third where, where, where God's working in my heart, I, I think on this is I, I want to, a lot of what we talked about here was corporate in the sense of where we gather, where we lead, what that looks like. I want to maybe extend a little bit of a challenge out to when we go out mm -hmm. that, that in our, our neighborhoods are, are going to reflect a certain culture. Everybody in my neighborhood is white where, where I, I live, where I literally live. Um, but I think friendships is going to end up being part of this. You can't make this happen through a program or gimmicks, but 
it seems that that this me understanding who I am in Jesus leads me to love people and make friends with people. That that friendship part of understanding somebody else and getting into their world and just becoming friends, having dinner, you know, it, that's not programmatic to bring anybody to church. That's just loving people who may not be like you. And and I think that that is an untapped fuel source in my heart. I'm not putting this on anybody else. I'm putting it on my heart. Mm-hmm. An untapped source on my heart to go, oh, <clears throat> like I'm just going to love people and, and have them into my home and tell them about Jesus. And maybe they'll be part of North Hills or another church. But that that seed of, man, we we love all people, not just ones who are like us. And I think we can all admit, no matter our ethnicity, we are drawn to people who are like us. That's just a part of how we're wired. And so sometimes we're going to have to make a choice to not do that. Mm-hmm. Again, not out of any type of, of guilt, hopefully, or weirdness, but of faith and love. That I'm, I'm headed this way because I love Jesus and I love God's people. So thank you guys. I know this is quick and we hope that this type of a conversation serves you as we try to take what we heard on Sunday and go a little bit deeper. We hope that you will join us for our last week of Serpents and Doves. Um, this week, we're going to be talking about um, loving our neighbor, our brother. Matt is actually going to be preaching uh, for us this week. Uh, so we hope you'll be here Sunday or check us out online when we stream. Um, if you have any questions, you can send those in via text or email. That information will be up on the screen, whether you are at Taylor's Northwest or online streaming. And we thank all of you uh, for listening. So join us in prayer and let's see God work in this area through heavenly wisdom. Thanks for listening.